The Houston Cougars have done it. They've hit the transfer portal, brought in some big-name talent. Let's look at what the Cougars could look like on the basketball floor next year. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Angel, Theater Breakdown, all things Cougs. If you're a U of H fan or just a hater can step by, please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can lay some of the Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked On Cougs your first listen of the day. Welcome back to the YouTube channel. It's good to see you again. Remember, we are... I guess we're almost at 950 subscribers. The time you listen to this, we might be over that mark. Um, remember, at 1,000, because we're giving something away every uh, every 250. So at 1,000, we're giving away this Jairus Walker signed basketball jersey. Uh, perfect to hang up in your home, man cave, etc. It's a fun, fun giveaway we're doing at Lockdown Cougs. We're excited about it. So hit subscribe down below to get us to 1,000 and to make sure you're entering the contest to win. Make sure you're doing something like commenting on uh videos and giving thumbs up and those kinds of things if you are listening to this whole basketball talk and you're like i don't want to talk about basketball talk tell us whether it was easter or passover or whatever holiday if you were you know breaking fast at some point later in the day what did you eat first on your holiday plate this weekend now i'll do a couple things here one we did to talk about the basketball transfers that came in so in the first segment i'll talk about the guy that came first and damon dunn in the second segment i want to talk some about uh lj crier i know that that might be out of order for what a fan wants to hear. But trust me, this whole thing will be a fun talk. And then the third segment, I want to investigate the question, are the Cougars dumb? We're going to start that question today. We might hit it again later in the week. If you came to this looking for talking about a spring game that did not happen, uh, well, it didn't happen. But also, we'll talk some more about football in tomorrow's episode because Holgerson and the staff, does sound like, are going to be talking to the media on Monday. So we'll recap that and kind of wrapping up the spring, putting some bows on stuff on Tuesday. But on today's episode... Let's get to Damian Dunn. Now, Damian Dunn, you'll remember, is a 6'5 guard from Temple um, that in the, you know, Houston lost four games this season. One of them was to Temple. And Temple in that game scored just 56 points. And 16 of those 56 points came from one Damian Dunn. He's a true 6'5 long-armed shooter. Um, had 15.3 points per game last season. Shot the three ball at an efficient 34.8%. It's pretty good in the college basketball ranks these days. Um, he also, for what it's worth, shot 81.4% from the free throw line. And I would argue that the 81.4% from the free throw line is actually more impressive than some guys that might shoot a little bit better than that because of how many free throws the kid shot. Um, and pulling up this thing to make sure I have my count right, he shot double-digit free throws in more than half dozen games. Um, he is a constant attack at the rim kind of guy that fights through contact, gets and ones, gets the basket, gets his free throw line, etc. Kind of settle down the game a lot of ways for Cincinnati. Um, for, for Cincinnati, sorry, Cincinnati is the game log I have pulled up for uh, for Temple. Um, he's a, a Big time grad transfer too, but because of a redshirt year and the COVID year, he technically has two years of eligibility left as a grad transfer. Comes in place right away. Those kinds of things. He's a North Carolina kid. Uh, grew up in, or I guess he went to high school at Meadow Creek High School in Kinston, North Carolina. Um, and so there's some of that connection and crossover with Samson Samson and Company, right? That's obviously where Kelvin is from. And I think Kellen also has some ties to there as far as recruiting grounds kind of go. So I think this 
feels like a natural fit. But what I love about this is in a year where Houston is losing Tremont Mark, uh, this is a true three-level scoring threat. Much like Tremont Mark, I mean, you remember the Auburn game, but you remember like the Memphis game a year ago, or there's just games that Tremont Mark stepped in and became this like isolation threat basketball player at the end of the clock, whether it was, you know, they're, they're face guarding Sasser, he's in foul trouble, or a year ago he's hurt, right? Whatever the case may be, they need to find some other outlet that became Tremont. That's going to quickly become Damian Dunn here. Now, um, I like his fluidity with the ball. He's not quite as like lean with the ball. He uses his shoulders a little bit more than Tremont does, hence the free throw line and, and getting the foul line. But he does get to the mid-range for pull-ups in a way that feels similar. He didn't have to fall away from it quite the same Tremont does. He elevates over defenders in a different way. They're both 6'5", but he seems to get up a little bit higher in the air on his jump shots. Um, and then he's way, way, way more consistent on the kick-out, catch-and-shoot threes thing. Um, he's really, really good in what I call the slots, like above the break on both sides, and the corners on kick-out threes. That's really, really big when you got a guy. You're hoping, theoretically, Jamal Shedd comes back right after the NBA is going to test the waters and come back, whatever. Um, that's really, really great for a guy like him that does such a good job of distributing the ball again. Like there were multiple games last year where Jamal would have nine assists and one turnover, 11 assists and two, two turnovers, right? Those kinds of assists are only going to go up with uh, Damian Dunn out there catching the ball at above the break and in those corners. Um, so I got to be honest, when he committed on Saturday, I did a, a bunch of game film watching just as far as pulling stuff up on YouTube. What can I watch? What can I mark down? And admittedly, when I'm watching one guy, I kind of watch a one and a half speed because I'm really just watching what he does and I keep my eyes kind of laser focused. Um, but that meant I got to crank out a lot of games. And I have to say, one of the most impressive games for me from his 2022-23 season was their Vanderbilt game early in the year. He scored 38 points, uh, shot 7-9 from behind the arc, and he kind of exploited size mismatches when they put a bigger, stronger guy on it. He don't buy them when he, they put a, a smaller guy on them. He rose up over the top of them to shoot his jumper kind of cleanly. He did a lot of great things in that game. Uh, he did have the go ahead and one at the end of overtime in that game, like 30 seconds, 40, just under 40 seconds left on my notes. I had written down. Um, and admittedly, they don't win that game against Vanderbilt. But that's Power 5 competition, and he is performing at the biggest stage. And again, 38 points. He also, for what it's worth, had 34 points against Cincinnati. And he attacked Landers Nolly in the post. Landers Nolly thinks he's going to go pro this uh, summer. Or he's going in the draft, that kind of stuff, right? Attack from the post. Uh, shot over the top of other guys on switches. Um, I liked in the Cincinnati game. That's where you see a lot more of the mid-range come up and the mid-range pull-ups and those kinds of things. Um, and then the the Villanova game, he ends up winning the game on his own down the stretch. Um, and so if you're going to pull up like a single game to like look for the competitor, the kind of like Houston Cougar basketball player, uh, they got like some guys are just like look like Cougs. That for me was that Villanova game crosstown rival. I mean, I guess technically they're not quite like they're not in the ACC or whatever, but like a power five feeling school just now championship couple, uh, a couple years ago, right? Villanova is that elevated program and he rose the occasion. And that all sets up to me a great fit for a guy to join Houston going into the Big 12, right? Houston's going to be playing a lot more of those, I mean, Vanderbilt type power uh, conference schools are we playing the you know villanova national championship contending programs um they're frankly they're going to be playing cincinnati right those schools are going to come in the fold for houston and he's performed on stages against those guys as a 6-5 multi-level scorer um i will say as far as deficiency and things i want to see grow um i imagine schematically he'll fit into the houston defense well i don't mean to say that but he wasn't the 
He wasn't the rebounder aggressive type that uh, Tremont Mark was. Gets about a rebound less per game on averages. But there were some games on the stretch where like Tremont had nine boards. Tremont had 12 boards. And those were really, really important games. I need to see some of that. He's got the size, the length, the whatever. But remember, Temple had real deal bigs, true big guys, and didn't need him to do that. So I just didn't get to see that in in watching game film on him. I wonder if he can do those kinds of things. Um, The other thing is, I got to say, like, again, Houston, I say this at the start, I say at the end, Houston lost four games. One of them was to him and Temple. And I think that, like, that competitive nature in that game, looking for a competitor, um, obviously it was not his best shooting game, right? He shot three of eight from three. I don't think he made a two-point field goal. But – that was the competitor you're looking for for Houston to build into the Samson culture, to continue to add the Samson culture, I should say, as you're going into the Big 12. Speaking of the Big 12, the other addition over the weekend, LJ Cryer, is really, really familiar with the Big 12 and having just played on the Baylor Bears. But first, I want to talk to you about our buddies at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel is America's number one sports book, and it is baseball season. Yes, it really is baseball season. Hard to believe. Uh, I guess the Rockets just ended there. So, you know, uh, grand slams, no hitters, double plays. They're all back. There's no better place to get in on the action than America's number one sports book. That is FanDuel. That's because new customers can step to the plate with a no sweat first bet up to one. Thousand dollars and one thousand big ones. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on to place your first bet and get up to one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win. Uh, so what I'm gonna say here is on the Monday night game between the Astros and Pirates. Now I know you probably think the Astros are kind of have a rough opening the season, right? It's not a little bit of a World Series hangover, but they're the Astros favored by one and a half runs. Um, and they have the over under set at seven and a half runs. I'm thinking the Astros continue to get back on track here. I'm saying the Astros, and I trust the bats. almost want to do the pitching at this point. So I'm going to say we're going over the seven and a half runs as well. Um, I think things are starting to get back on track after Sunday's game. That's all I'm saying. I will say also the self-Astros as the favorite at plus 650 to win the whole shebang. Um, I don't know if those odds will get uh, any more favorable as far as making more money goes. So I say you go hit that up before we get too far in the season and gets down to more like five or five fifty. So go hit that as well. And I'm telling you to go hit it at FanDuel. So don't miss your chance. Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you go to FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right. So I said LJ Cryer is the other big name. And frankly, there are national folks that probably listen to this episode and think, He's the only big name because LJ Cryer was consensus top 10 player available in the transfer portal. Um, he was a tremendous, tremendous get for Kelvin Sampson and company. Um, the Katie native went to Morton Range High School with Eddie Lincoln actually back in the day. Uh, averaged 15 points, two rebounds, and two assists last season at Baylor. Uh, he was also a third-team All-Big 12 player at Baylor last season. He was on the national championship team um, that beat Houston in the Final Four in Indianapolis in 2021. He he wasn't a rotational guy, really, though, in that game. He got in the game at the end because uh, Baylor kind of ran with that game. They ran with every game that tournament, if you're paying attention. Um, but he, he wasn't a, a key figure on that team as much as he's been the last two years. Last year, 2021-22, uh, he came in off the bench a lot. Uh, this year, he was a 31-game starter. Um, I, I have to say that I was impressed in watching him. 
I saw the shooting stats immediately, right? Uh, shot 41.5% from three. And for reference, that's better than anyone in Houston's roster last season. Yes, including Marcus Sasser. It's better than anyone in Houston's roster last season. He's a tremendous shooter. But I was impressed that he does it fairly consistently both off the catch and off the bounce. So to me, that means he's a true, true, true shooter, right? And looking at his plays and clips and watching a couple of his games. Um, and that, that's really impressive to me because you typically see guys favor one or the other and kind of boost up their stats by doing that more, right? So if you're a 41% three-point shooter, maybe you shoot 45, 46% off the catch and, you know, more like 35, 36% off the dribble and you're pulling it to the middle and you know, right there. No, no, he's really, as far as me watching a few of these games, appears to be authentically 41.5% from both. He's also an 89% free throw shooter um, and he doesn't get the line quite like Damian Dunn is, or done does or will, but he does a great job in transition of attacking the rim. He's got broad shoulders attacking the cup. Uh, again, get to about six one. Um, so he's a little bit smaller type guard. So it'll be the same kind of small backcourt, assuming shed comes back with he and uh, crier as it was with uh, shed and Sasser last year. We've seen Samson work through that. I think that the intense pressure on the ball will be okay there. You also got to imagine, and we'll talk more about the depth chart in a moment in the third segment, but Houston brings in some bigger guards off the bench this year and probably what I would assume are more prominent roles. Um, as far as like him coming back to Houston, I went back and licked, listened to Locked on Baylor while I was uh, getting ready for, for uh, watching some of these games and stuff. And Drake at Locked on Baylor pointed out that like, yeah, first of all, it sounds like he wanted this to go differently. He did not want to get it leaked out the way it got leaked out to the press or whatever. Um, he wanted to do more of the traditional long form. Thank you so much for everything. Da, 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 but I got to go somewhere else uh, kind of thing. Uh, same way Tremont did with Houston, right? Um, but it got out ahead of him in, in a way that he couldn't control. And it sounds like per that show, he he really does. And they have connections, I guess, because Drake's on campus. Um he really did stress that it was about something else besides NIL that was not what he was looking for counter to a lot of reporting nationally. I mean, there was talks about him a year ago in Miami and stuff like that when they were ramping up their NIL game. And I think then we realized like, Oh, the best non NIL fit and NIL is going to be a big deal at Houston. Lando's got it going for sure, but it's Houston. It's his hometown, right? It's where he's from when he was at, uh, when he was in high school at Katie uh, Morton Ranch, he what was the stat I had here? Um, he had almost four thousand points in his four years in high school, and the most points in Houston public school area high school history when he graduated. Right, that's tremendous. There's been eons and eons of high school basketball players come out of the great state of Houston. It feeds the whole Big Twelve, the best conference in high school basketball, or best conference in college basketball all feeds off of finding guys in the city of Houston. He's got his name at the top of that record book, right? So he's coming back home. Um, he's a super aggressive score, right? He gets his 15 a game off attacking defenses. It all gets set up on a great three point shot. And then he attacks closeouts and things like that. Um, again, shoots very well off the bounce. shoots very well catch and shoot as well. Um, and so that means the closeouts are kind of is exaggerated and coming out over, over the top too high excited. And He's letting go either over the top if they're slow or going by them to the rim if they're not. Um, I was impressed by his performance in a couple different games. Um, I thought he got better as the season went on for them, right? So if I'm telling you which game to go back and watch, 
Go to YouTube, find the one where he plays Creighton. Uh, he had 30 points, shot 4-11 for 3, but also in a high-leverage game. And Creighton spent chunks of the season in the top 10 of the country. He was the best player on the floor for stretches of five and six minutes at a time, right? And so he was up in guys' jerseys defensively. Uh, he, he was killing guys off the bounce, dropping dimes that should have been better dimes because the guys couldn't finish, whatever. Like He did all kinds of things to orchestrate and make Baylor go in a way that made me feel like, oh, that's the Houston Cougar. Like I, I see him on the floor. Like Obviously, knowing he's transferring to Houston, I saw him I was like, okay, that's the Houston Cougar. I can see it in the way he plays against Creighton. Similarly, the game before uh, when they played UCLA, I think that was around a 32 game. Um, he had 28 points, four of eight threes, same kind of thing, or he's like a puppet master in a lot of ways um, as a combo guard. Um, I listen as a combo guard because I'm already anticipating him playing with uh, Jamal Shedd. I think some bigger schools bring him that don't have Jamal Shedd on the roster might have looked at him as traditional point guards. So when you're trying to think of like what does he do, he's not a high numbers assist guy, but that's not really his role at Baylor either. You're talking about the guards that Baylor had. Um, it was a lot of my turn, your turn kind of stuff. It wasn't a whole lot of dropping off the posts, right? Um, he's a really, he's a really, really talented guy with the ball in his hands, a really, really great creator. Um, as far as like earlier in the season goes, I uh, West Virginia, TCU, Kansas, Arkansas, he breaks 20 points in all of those and shoots uh, over 40% from three in all of those um, big time basketball across the board. Um, he's also, for what it's worth, battle tested he's been on a team that won a national championship right so you kind of keep the way you lost marcus sasser and like the final four run uh veteran aspect you keep some of that and bring in a guy that was in the national championship in the same year right uh he's ready for the conference the way that he can explain and talk through and work with guys like no this is what big 12 basketball will look like this is what you can anticipate going into fog allen to play Kansas, right? This is what you can anticipate going to Lubbock to play Tech. This is what you can anticipate going to Waco, right? Wherever you're going, he's been at all of it before and won at the highest level with do while doing all of it. I'm really excited to see this guy get another dude's jersey as a defender. Um, I think playing with Samson will help this guy become a pro basketball player because it'll help elevate his game that way. Um, Samson just has this knack about getting guys to defend really, really at a high level. I also love the way that he will yin and yang off of Jamal Shedd. They're both tough bowling balls attacking downhill, but Jamal Shedd um, is much, I talked about him all the time as the running back dive kind of guy. Um, Cryer is much more of a shooter, and the way that yin and yang works excites me because I feel like it'll be similar to how Shedd and Sasser did too. I think this is a great fit. Again, consensus top 10 transfer in the country available, and he's coming back home to Houston. That's so, so big time. Again, especially when Houston is losing three starters off of last year's team to the NBA, one to transfer. Like, that's a big, big deal. And I want to talk some in the third segment about, like, what exactly the roster next season looks like. So let's jump on into what that roster does look like because I think people are starting to wonder, like, is Houston done? Not Damian done. They got that guy, but is Houston actually done? And my projected starting lineup would be, assuming Jamal Shedd comes back after testing the NBA waters, you have Jamal Shedd at point, new guy LJ Cryer at the two guard, uh, Damian Dunn at the 6'5", small forward type. Um, and then if there are no changes... Based on what Houston did last year with Jawan, I'd imagine they played Jawan Roberts, the power forward. And then I imagine you see the emergence of Javier Francis 
at that big spot. Now, Javier had some high highs and some low lows last season. Luckily, Houston had depth last year to not need him to play out. They got to they hopefully anticipate him growing up a whole lot to make that starting lineup pop. But we've seen Jawan Roberts play a high post, 15 foot away from the basket kind of power forward in a more like 1990s, early 2000s NBA kind of power forward sense. And I think with that working, the high low with he and Javier could, could work really, really well. Um, this is before you bring in Emmanuel Sharp or Terrence Arsenal off the bench. Those are both guys that we recognize off of last year's team playing a whole lot. I'm excited about Malik Wilson. I don't know where he fits in the rotation yet, but he's a you know another 6'4 long defender, one of the best athletes in college basketball. Uh, he was a red-shirted guy last year that transferred from Texas Tech, right? So also knows something about the Big 12. Um, and he's got extremely crazy bounce. And Samson, Samson company talked all season about how he was the best defender on the team last year. And as a redshirt guy in practice, he made the starters work in a way that was really impressive and clearly paid off. Again, one of the number one teams in the country for a long stretch of the season. Um, obviously bring in Ryan Elvin. You hope Ramon Walker is back too after what he went through last season. And that's before you get to any freshmen. I'm a big fan of Cordell Jefferson from uh, Arlington Martin up in DFW. We also got Jojo Tugler from Saifal. Said Lath is already on campus. And Jacob McFarland's coming from California, right? Um, Tugler is listed as a power forward in the same mold as Jawan Roberts is. Then said Lath and uh, McFarland are both traditionally built centers. Lath is a giant. He is huge, like a weightlift, like Coach Allen Bishop's dream kind of build, like giant, broad shoulders, big arms, big quads, big, strong guy. McFarland needs some of that. He's a tall, skinny guy with great ball skills, um, come from California. He's not on campus yet in the same way late this, but he'll be here this summer, and I, I anticipate he may redshirt, um, not because he can't play right away, but because with the rotation, kind of the log jam happening at the big fellas, it might be worth it to let him put on some good weight to play the center position. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, and looking at this, I guess technically Cordell um, or Emmanuel will start or would be the backup point guard. But the truth is they'll run sets with LJ Cryer as the point guard and someone else rotated the shooting guard probably more often if Jamal Shez on the floor. Um I'm excited to see what Tanner Arsenal grows into in year two of playing the guard position, right? Um, I'm looking forward to see what this kind of roster looks like. We also mentioned like Ryan Elvin will be on the roster. And as I count it, that is 14 guys on the roster. So they could be set, right? They could be set, ready to roll. Because truthfully, uh, with 14 guys, you got to imagine, like I said, Ryan probably plays sparingly. Um, you know, whether it's McFarland, one of the young uh, freshman bigs probably doesn't get in the rotation a whole lot as a true freshman. Really hard position to get in the uh, in the college basketball and play right away, especially at the high level like Big 12 Houston basketball will be. Um, I don't think they redshirt Cordell. I think they need Cordell. I think Cordell's also a very impactful score. You might want to get on the floor for like Stevie's hot kind of moments, like we saw at Arsenal last year against Oregon, stuff like that, right? So you're looking at already rotation of like, maybe 12 guys all trying to see time on the floor, right? However, rosters can go to 15, right? And so there is this thought of like, okay, what does Houston do? Does Houston need a guy? Um, there's kind of two ways to go about this because with now they've gotten Cryer and done, I think it's safe to say that bringing Malik Wilson in, Ramon Walker coming back, like Houston probably doesn't need the backcourt help. If anything, while they have good numbers in the front court. 
Tugler's a freshman, Lathe's a freshman, McFarland's a freshman, and Francis, I guess, has some experience, but was come like playing minimal benchmans last year. Can you find a forward that can come in and play right away? Um, I've got thoughts. I think my favorite guy right now is Harrison Ingram, a DFW kid, private school kid, went to St. Mark's. He was a McDonald's All-American at a high school and had a Houston offer on the table before ultimately choosing Stanford. Now, I, I don't think Houston was high on his radar uh, at the time. I think the academic piece was important to him. He goes like he went to like one of the best high schools in Dallas, right? Um, but I also think in looking at this kid that he probably thought as a McDonald's All-American, Pac-12 basketball, yada, 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 for good reason, that, that he would be like a one- or two-year guy and go to the NBA kind of guy. He went to the G, the Combine after his freshman season, and it has not panned out like that for him. He's a uh, 6'7", 230, 240 small forward. Um, size and weight feels like Jarris Walker did. Right. Um, he does some stuff with the ball that Jarris didn't do, at least on Houston's campus. He might have done it an IMG some. Um, and he might be projected to do it at the next level some. But he's also not quite the explosive athlete that Jarris was either. Or Jarris is, I guess he's just not for us anymore. Um, I think Harrison Ingram would be a great, great fit if you're trying to get a smaller power forward, a la what Jarris was like a six eight, six nine guy, right? Um, and then moving Jawan to the five. I think also there's some inkling here that this kid may on all the crystal ball kind of stuff end up at Kansas. And so I don't know how realistic that is, but he's a high end profile guy to me from the state of Texas was recruited by Houston originally. And I could see him fitting in, in the same way. And I think the sales pitch would be very, very simple. Be like, Hey, listen, you saw what Jairus Walker just did. You're going to come in and we're going to ask you the same things, right? He came in and shot threes. He came in and hit the rebounds. He came in and learned how to play better defense. He did all those things. Now you get to come in and do those things, right? Um, and frankly, if you look at Damian Dunn, Tron Mark, a lot of crossover there between the two. You look at Cryer and Sasser, a lot of crossover between the two. Shed is the same guy. Juwan is the same guy. You could theoretically sell like, okay, if he comes, if Ingram were to come in or a guy like that were to come in at that power forward spot, this is a number, another number one team in the country again, right? Now, I think look at the roster. If you just kept the 14 they got, they might be a number one team in the country for stretch of the year anyway. And I would, assuming on matchups, pick them to go pretty far in the tournament as is, right? Um, I, I just feel like if you're looking to add something, Ingram at that power forward, smaller power forward guy might be a good fit. The other guy I'd look at is uh, Cornelius Williams is an LSU transfer. Houston offered him at a high school. This is kind of the opposite. And if you want to play Jawan at the true power forward spot, Cornelius is a six, is a long six ten center that was on the roster at LSU and has some experience in the SEC, right? So like you're bringing in kind of the opposite guy. If you want to put Jawan more at the power forward spot and put another more experienced big down there next to Javier, maybe even just compete with him a little bit to make him uh, play his best basketball that would be the move I would see going there. Um, I could see going either direction. I could also see sitting still. I do see Houston making some real serious decisions on this in the coming days and weeks because, frankly, they've got a great basketball team as is. They made great additions over the weekend, and assuming Shed is just testing waters, get some list of things to work on, it comes back, they are poised to make an impact in the Big 12 in their first season in the conference. Um, there are some people are talking about, like, can they win the Big 12 in their first season? In the conference? We'll see. We'll talk about all that. We're previewing that and more here at Lockdown Coops. Make sure you follow me at 
Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all of your various social media handles. We have to talk all things Cougar football. We'll be talking about that in tomorrow's episode, uh, unless something else crazy comes up. Basketball, obviously all the time. Uh, baseball teams doing well right now. All kinds of things. Use the Cougars here. So make sure you can follow me at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H-512 on Twitter, Instagram, and all your social media handles. Thank you so much for lo- listening to Locked on Cougs for your first listen of the day today. If you're looking for a second listen, I'm going to recommend Locked on Big 12. Doing a great job of covering all the things in the ever-evolving Big 12 conference. Who's in, who's out, what the rumors are, what could happen with those rumors, etc. So make sure you go check out that show and Josh Neighbors for a listen as well. Thank you all so much. Locked on Cougs, the proud member of the Locked on Podcast Network. That means your team every day. Go Cougs.